there's an old poem by Roger Kipling that said, uh, if you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you but make allowances for their doubting too, if you can walk with kings and don't lose the common touch, and if all men count with you but none too much. And I think that poem pretty much typifies uh, the Honorable Lester Miller, who is the mayor of Macon, Georgia. Uh, so we're going to chat with him about his initiatives. And I tell you once, he hit the ground running, you know, and, and had made man, How long have you been thinking about uh, running this city? <laughs> too, too long. Last couple of years, we've been campaigning. We've been developing a plan from day one instead of worrying about winning the race. We worry about what we're going to do when we got there. Oh, I'll say absolutely. Well, <laughs> let's go back a little further. Let's go back to, you know, your high school days. I know okay. that. I think, I think Henry, what did, did, did Henry teach you? Yeah, Dr. Ficklin was, uh, got me involved in politics uh, back, back when he was on city council. He was also our teacher. Right. I took government and law with him and he kind of got got me influenced and at least got a little taste of taste of the uh, politics through him. So I, I really started looking at at least doing the political science part, not about necessary mayor, but getting involved in government. Well, you know, it seems that it's embedded in you since, uh, <laughs> it, it, hey, hey, it's been a part of you since you were a teenager. Uh, so I want to congratulate you again. I know you've been in office about, what, six months now and that you hit the ground running and you've started several initiatives. So talk a little, and we're going to get into the budget and how you're projecting, projecting how you're going to spend the money. But talk a little bit about your first six months. Well, we've been here about probably 130, 140 days, so not quite six months yet. We still got a little work to do. Okay. But, uh, you know, we, we've been on, like you said, hit the ground running. It's probably an understatement. We've been very aggressive. I think some people use that terminology, but we have started many initiatives. Uh, from day one, as you know, the Brookdale Warming Center was one of our big initiatives from the very beginning. And that was uh, something we put together in about four days. Uh, and it's lasted through right now. And we're looking at a permanent plan there at the Brookdale Center. So uh, that's to take care of our most vulnerable people. We've served about 500 people there so far. Okay, and, so uh, for those who don't understand, just give a quick synopsis yeah. of what the Warming Center is about. Well, what, it started as a place to get people out of the cold that may not have a home, those experiencing homelessness. We had two men that died on Christmas Day, and it really took that to heart. And we said that's not acceptable in Macon Bibb County in 2021. So we, we, we formed a group of people, about 30 different organizations, brought them together. And within a short time frame, we were open up there at Brookdale. And we've been serving people, giving them three meals a day, a place to stay, getting wow. them out of the elevator. Now we're moving on to providing other services, like we got 40 people right now that have already transferred and uh, transitioned into permanent housing. 16 people have got jobs. A lot of people have gotten help with drug addiction. Uh, a lot of veterans have come through and we've been able to really help them and connect them with the services they need. Oh, that's, that's, that's outstanding. Okay, well, since we're talking about major projects and major initiatives and major accomplishments, let me tell you something, man to ride through town and see all these dilapidated houses, you know, really tear at your heart and it tears at, you know, your desire to, to, to see a beautiful and productive city. And I, it's my understanding 
that you will launch an initiative to tear them down, buddy, to get rid of. So <laughs> talk a little bit about that. How has it been successful? Uh, and, you know, just how is that going and where are you with it? And, and the other thing I want you to do, uh, Mayor, if you would, each initiative we discuss, go ahead and plug in, you know, how the community and organizations and the entities and fraternities and sororities can assist you in, 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 your, in your effort, you know, just to make this a better place for all of us. Sure, I'll be happy to do that. And as you know, out on the campaign trail for such a long period of time, we, we went and listened to the community uh, what their issues were. These are, this is the people's business. It may be my plan and my initiative, but this came directly off the streets uh, from the people. And I think they enjoy an opportunity to see things that they talk about come to fruition through action. One of the first things you know I did is we set up this transition team that consisted of people who supported me and people who did not support me. Because I wanted to have a unique perspective all across Macon Bibb County People didn't look like me. People didn't go to church where I go to church or buy groceries where I buy groceries at, but that people that cared about our community. And we put them on there to get different perspectives. And this is a plan that I'm carrying out their, their wishes. Uh, and some of that is blight. We look at the blight initiative. We have 30 and 30 is what I've been calling this so far, because over the last 18 months prior to my arrival, they took down eight homes. That's all. Eight dilapidated structures were taken down and it's, it's not acceptable. I don't want to hear we don't have the money. We can always find money for our priorities. So that's one of my priorities. So we actually are ahead of time. Uh, we, we're taking down number 31 as of yesterday and today. And the last three are on personally right there as you enter Linwood, uh, which is something I know that community is excited about because of historical significance we have at Linwood Cemetery and, and the Pleasant Hill neighborhood altogether. So it's, it, it actually was a icing on the cake to be able to complete our 30 and 30 uh, in less than 30 days, actually 24 days. And also to be able to do it and finish there at uh, Pursley. We are going to unveil another 50 next week. And we're going to keep tearing these residential structures down that have fire damage that have been in our community far too long. And they're not necessary in my community uh, where I live at. Uh, they're not, they're, I live in Lizella. They're not all, all there. They're not in uh, North Macon. Uh, we're targeting the areas that need it the most. So we did a data-driven approach, uh, meaning we... We took all the fire structures we were aware of, we put them in a mapping system and the GIS map said, this is where you have a consolidated poverty, this is where you have consolidated crime, this is where you have consolidated fire structures that are burned. So we started there and that took us to Houston Avenue and we're moving you know, to other areas now, but we, we just went with the data tools we need to go. And we're saving money on all these houses where uh, we did a resolution. So we put all the money in one pot from from the uh, sales that we have through subsequent tax sales, from fines off of uh, citations, uh, all that's going into one pot now, so it doesn't go into our general fund budget that can be messed with. So we separated that out, so we've got a continuing source for there. And we looked to add some money to that through the American Rescue Plan as well, because housing, affordable housing is one of those issues. And we don't just want to tear down, we want to build up. Yeah, well, one way the community, one way the community can help, uh, Alex, is that uh, there, there are eyes and ears. Uh, we've asked them to notify code enforcement of any areas they may have that need work, any burnout structures they want to see get out of their neighborhood, any body structure to bring to our attention, because we're, we're going to be hiring more code enforcement and we're going to be able to do a better job now and run more efficiently. Well, that, that's really outstanding. One idea I had, which I'll throw at you now, is that maybe once they become empty lots, you know, and I noticed the other day that and I know you work very closely with the neighborhood organizations, 
you know, maybe, you know, they could plant some grass or, you know, make a little community garden there. You know, I think that would just, that's just something that crossed my mind that, that I felt like would be an important initiative to kind of bring the community together and give people something to do. One thing well, we, we've got, we've got several plans for the, we don't want to just leave gaping holes. Now the, these properties here can't be rehabbed that we're working on. So they must come down. They're unsafe. They create rodents and rats and snakes and an eyesore, but also they're a danger if somebody goes in there plus crime, you know, goes around them. So we don't want to just tear them down. We, we want to be able to market those for the investors and give them some low interest loans to build on. And we don't want to just have single family uh, houses. We want to have some duplexes there as well. We want to have some home ownership and some rentals. So we really can diversify these neighborhoods and, and solidify the schools that we have in some of those areas. So we have a plan also not just to tear them down. Eventually we'll have title or we'll sell those on the courthouse steps with someone and give them some resources to maybe borrow from at a, a low rate through a revolving loan fund so they can rebuild these neighborhoods. Yeah, yeah, well, that, that's that's very, very important. Well, you know, I was at your event. I mean, I want to say this publicly. You know, I was at your event with the state of the city, and I thought that was a phenomenal event, and, you know, the speeches. And, but let me tell you something, man, that touched me. And I don't know who he was, and I do know, but I just can't remember his name. The guy, and then we ought to post that prayer, you know. You Take know. What's his name? Pastor Jake Hall. Yeah, Pastor Jake Hall, you know, and I think somehow we ought to put that, you know, as a slogan or every opportunity that we get once a month or once a week, just put it over the airways because that was the most inspirational and touching and inclusive prayer you know, one of the most uh, inspirational ones that I've ever heard because, you know, he put a lot of thought in it and he was very, very inclusive as it relates to equity and inclusion and unity and togetherness and initiatives. So I just wanted to give him a shout out, you know, because <laughs> that, yeah, I really do, man, because that prayer uh, touches me and I'm going to record it for myself. And then, you know, we'll talk Good. about in some way how, we can utilize that, you know, not necessarily from a spiritual angle. And I'm not talking about, we're not trying to force spirituality on anybody, but I think from a sociological and an educational and a unity and a community angle that we all ought to listen to that and that would inspire us to be a part of the solution as it relates to this community. So we want to give Reverend Jake Hall, is that right? That yeah, we want to give him a, a public shout out for doing a phenomenal job. So, so talk about, you know, you mentioned a couple of the things, but talk about the state of the city. One thing I want to mention right quick, because what we have to do, and I think it's kind of shameful, but too many people don't realize all of the good things that are going on in Maple. You know, so we need to work on our imaging as in our perception as it relates to what people think about the community and because it's a phenomenal community and got a lot of advantages and a whole lot of good points. But too often, you know, with, you know, when they have a shooting or crime, then people begin to conceptualize that, well, this is what the, the mainstay in making is, but it is not. We got a lot of good right. things. So talk about that for a minute. Well, one of the problems we have in the past is we don't tell our story very well. 
Uh, and I think one of the things we did, we actually have a couple more people that work in our public relations now. And I really, the reason to do that is so, so the people can see what we're actually doing. So when you hear something on, you know, there's a lot of people who, when they get on social media, they start piling on on you. You know, they, they just, they look for a chance to, to throw you under the water and, and throw it under the bus. And what I tell them is you're hurting yourself. You know, you may, you may think it's funny by commenting on there, oh, another day in making somebody got shot. But really what you're doing is making your taxes go up. Think about that. You're making your, your, your employment opportunities shrink down because people see that and it's out there and it doesn't represent what we have here in Macon-Bill County at all. You know, I, I made one of the other initiatives that we, we talk about is a Clean Streets Matter. Uh, we brought so far 99 organizations as far as um, local communities, neighborhood organizations together to help clean up our community because the government can't do it all. We don't throw the trash on the ground ourselves and we certainly don't refuse to pick up things that we're supposed to pick up on a regular basis. But the problem is, is that we have to uh, work together with our community to clean it up because it makes a, um, you know, gives you lack of hope if you have a dirty community. If your people are dumping in your neighborhood, what does that say about what they think about you? They don't respect you at all. They don't care about you. Uh, and we can't let that happen. So if a new business comes to make it, we shouldn't have to go around our elbow to show them where this new place that they want to locate their business is by avoiding all the so-called bad areas. We shouldn't have any bad areas. We should make all areas uh, you know, appear to be prosperous areas. But people have to take pride in making Bibb County have to do their part to support us. Uh, we have to get our story out to tell them all the great things that we're doing. We're doing a lot of great things. And we just have to get them out there, have them behind us and supportive. Also, let them know that when somebody takes a shot at Macon, they're taking a shot at them. Yes, and we're all supposed to be together pulling in the same direction. So, and we're watching you. We're monitoring you out there. Don't say something good about how I'm doing a great job here and then go on the Channel 13 article and talk about how horrible you can't wait to get out of Macon Bibb County. Right. So right. we have a lot of great things going on here and we got to keep promoting those things. And that's one way people can help us out. Say positive things. If you can't say anything positive, don't say anything at all. Just get on there. You'll find that most of those people who are making a lot of derogatory comments about Macon Bibb County don't live here. They live in surrounding counties and they like nothing else for making the fall because they may have left there a long time ago themselves and they left us in a situation. If they were still here contributing to the taxpayers and to the workforce, you know, some of these issues we could have addressed a long time ago, but they abandoned us. So now they want to throw us under the bus and that's simply not the right way to go about doing things. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's very true. Uh, before we get into monetary issues and budget, are there any other initiatives that that you want to mention that that that, sure. that in progress and that the community can provide some assistance with? Yes, sir. Uh, one of those is uh, you know, public safety is one of those things that I talked about a lot during the campaign, and and certainly, but I, I don't only mean boots on the grounds. I've tried to make that very clear over the last several months of my administration is we're doing these things that you may not realize is public safety. These blighted houses, that's public safety. But I'm not saying lock everybody up. You know, picking trash up on the side of the street, that's public safety. Realize it or not, that is public safety. Um, those are the types of things that people don't really think about it. Putting a moratorium on liquor stores, that's public safety. Clamping down these vice marts that we have here that have a lot of things going on, and we're finding out now that's where a lot of these shootings and things are happening. You know, that's public safety. The payday lenders, that's public safety. Uh, you don't have to say that, but the other thing is I'm proud about is the Mental Health Matters initiative we have. You know, a lot of people we have sitting in jail, um, you know, they didn't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to commit a crime. This has been something that's been going on in their mind and their household for a long period of time. And if we don't ever address the root part of that problem, 
then we're going to continue to keep building jails and, and spending most of our money on public safety. I'd like to be able to cut that budget down to use it for other things, but we can't do that right now because we do have some issues there. But this mental health matters we wanted to get into the community. You know, what? there's other organizations that do great jobs, and I'm not trying to dis disparage them in any way, but the people that I selected on this contract, they look like the people we're trying to help. Bottom line is most of these are African-American females. They can relate to the folks in these neighborhoods that we're targeting. I'm not targeting because they're bad people. I'm targeting because that's where the numbers take us. The numbers say you need to be in these areas. You want to talk about equity? That's equity. Mm -hmm. It's not equality, a situation where I'm going to go in every neighborhood. You don't need this in North Macon as much as you do there. You don't need it in Lysel as much, South Hill County. We're going into the seven neighborhoods that the data tells us needs this the most, and we're going to fund it. And we're doing this for this first year, and it's a very targeted approach to, to target our, our preteens and our families that continue to struggle, that have trauma that doesn't get addressed through this no-cost mental health. We're at Booker T. Washington, which is our headquarters. Uh, we, we're over at uh, Pendleton Homes is going to be one of the locations. The Brookdale area is going to be a location. Um, East Macon through Rosa Jackson, the uh, old Bloomfield uh, Recreation Center over there, or Gilead. We're going to play a pine owner of the Hispanic community resource. These are the places that need it the most. This is where we see our young teens that struggle and end up, you know, resolving conflicts with guns instead of talking it out or doing other things. So that's one thing I'm proud about. We're tackling public safety through all these other issues. We're going to make a difference. You know, you can't solve this overnight. It's not about locking everybody up. Yes, we need more police presence and we're working on that. Uh, but that's part of the financial problem we got. But there's no, there's no quick fixes. We all know that we're getting to the root of these causes and we're trying to help the, the young people so they're going to be our, our people of tomorrow. So talk just a little bit more about, you know, how that mental health initiative works so individuals in the community can understand, you know, because, you know, there's a statistic that says uh, about 90% of the whole population needs mental health. <laughs> and some more than others. So just just explain that initiative just a little more because there may be people in the community who either needs it or need it or who may know somebody who needs it. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, this is no cost mental health and you'll you'll you can get so many hours per per week um with a with a licensed counselor uh for no cost. And these are things that are private between you and that counselor. You, you know, people, until you walk in someone's shoes, you know that. You, you don't know what they're going through. And you may see them a day and they may be real ugly to you, but you don't know that they just had a mom and dad. One of them died. One of them beat the other one up. One of them's in jail. Um, it affects everybody different. This pandemic certainly affects everybody different. If you're in a household who has good, you know, um, stability and you've got a good internet service and you've got a mom that used to be a teacher or a dad that has you know, some college education, you probably didn't struggle as much as someone else did during this virtual learning. So there's going to be a situation where some people are not necessarily equal as far as services available to them. We, we all suffer from, from mental health issues. And, and that's why we're, we're taking a, a different approach here. You'll see some drum circles. You see the yoga event we just have. You'll see some counseling. You're going to see some conflict resolution, some classes, not only for the, for the kids, but also for their families and their siblings because this is how you get to the root of that problem to prevent crime in the future, but also to live a more healthier life. So we're targeting that. We're putting money behind that. Uh, and I don't make any apologies at all about that because I, I want to see our jail shrink. 
I, I only want the people there at jail that needs to be there, not those that can be productive or those that can be saved. Uh, and, and it's something we got to have to do. And it certainly helps with the finances if you have less people in jail and less people uh, committing crimes. Okay, so I mean, they could just, if uh, if they want more information about it, they can just call the city and and, uh, yeah, you can get that. The uh, you can get the Booker T. Washington is the headquarters for that. Right. Southern Torch Theory Mental Health Matters Initiative is all over. There's a Facebook page. There's a, a website for that. Uh, we'll have a, a referrals to there, but it's no cost, and no one would be refused uh, to do so. We are targeting the younger uh, age kids, but we don't turn anybody away. Uh, and there is absolutely no cost to the person that's participating in this. That's outstanding. Congratulations on that initiative because. I think it has been too long uh, overlooked. So let's talk a little bit about your budget. I mean, you know, that's the, that's the hot thing on the press today and as it relates to your vision uh, and, and budgeting is important. And I know you've got some ideas. I know about the American Rescue Plan and I applaud you for understanding the mission and the purpose of the rescue plan because I noticed even in your projection of how you're going to handle the budget, you included uh, equity, inclusion, and diversity, which was some of the language, uh, you right. know, people who have been disenfranchised and, you know, uh, are not as good and position-wise as some other people. So talk a little bit about that budget, not only as it relates to how you're going to try to streamline the budget, with some of these organizations that were receiving money, but how are you going to apply to the best of your ability, really impacting the community in a manner that the uh, legislation projected? Sure. Uh, first of all, I, I want to make sure we know that we came into this uh, budget season with $15 million, what I call a deficit. It means that we have $15 million of new expenses in 2021 that they haven't had in 2020. A lot of people don't realize that. Okay, go ahead. The, uh, the, we have to make that money up and we have to do that without cutting substantial services that we need for our, for our people. So when I, when I look at this budget, it's not just the taxpayers and how much people pay, it's our values. Uh, you put your money where your mouth is. What this budget represents is what I talked to you about during the campaign trail. When we had forums, we listened to people on the streets, uh, my transition team. This budget was basically crafted in values uh, for my transition team who represent all aspects of our community. What did they tell me? We want diversity, equity, inclusion. We need good jobs, so we want workforce development and training. We need economic development. Uh, we need to have tourism and recreation. Uh, all these things are very important to us. So what do I do when we get to that situation? Public safety was, of course, number one. So we start looking at our budget. I take those things in mind. So the largest part of our budget is public safety because that's where we have to spend our money at to get where we need to be. So we, we have a new salary scale for all of our employees, but we're looking at pay scale two for our public, our public safety, our first responders. And we've given the judge... I'm sorry, we're giving uh, Sheriff Davis the uh, tools to work with at the jail by funding $3 million for the locks and the upgrades of jails that he needs right now. Uh, that's something that we decided to do even before the budget is turned around. We got a new fire training facility because the one we have there should be demolished. And, and it's shameful that way we took care of our, our people there. And uh, so we put that up there, first of all. 
as you know, blight was one of those problems that we had all, all across the county that people complained about because it becomes a crime haven, an eyesore, detrimental to economic development. So we put additional money for, for $500,000 for, uh, for blight, for code enforcement, because not only do I want him to hire more officers to be out there monitoring the situation, but I put $250,000 of money in there to help people who can't help themselves. There's no sense getting you a citation saying moving those six cars when you don't have the money to do it. <laughs> so I got to help you out. We're going to move those cars out of the way for you because it helps the community. Yeah, we'll put a lien on there, but expect to get paid back. But right now I need to move those cars out there. I need right. to cut that right. empty lot down next to you that's causing your problems, health, you know, health situations with you. So we put $500,000 from there. Everybody tells you when they come to make and they think that we have an issue with trash and an, an issue with not cutting our grass and the issue when you get off the interstate, makes some people think they want to get right back on the interstate and go to the next town because it's not very attractive. Right. So we put $1 million in there to help beautify our, our community. Uh, we, we have to do that. We got to make good fresh first impression. We have to have people take pride in themselves. It creates opportunities for our, for our kids, uh, but it also uh, creates tourism aspect. When people come here, they want to stay here and spend money. Right. Uh, right. We have to present ourselves well. And we also have to have partners like Keep Making It Beautiful, which I know that you've always been an advocate of. And we gave them extra money this year as well because they're doing a good job. Right. We have to right. do those things and our budget suggests that. Um, those are some of the things we, we have to keep our pedestrians safe. There's too many people speeding through neighborhoods with kids at. So we put $100,000 in an initial amount of money for traffic common devices. Um, and the other thing is economic development. We put one more $1 million extra for economic development because we have to bring in those good jobs uh, or create jobs within the community through existing industries. Right. Our children can't get those $25 $30 hour jobs, $20 hour jobs on a regular basis straight out of high school, they're going to either commit crimes, they're going to do nothing, or they're going to leave here. We have to provide good opportunities to them, um, you know, and we have to have pay a good paying job above the poverty level. That is what we're trying to do with increasing economic development. And of course, that lifts the whole community up when you can do that because it lowers taxes for everybody. Right. The other thing we didn't mention was the OAS and that, and that, uh, Budget. I didn't include that money because I'm not getting ahead of the people's vote. We're going to give you an opportunity to vote by all the hard work we've done to get that, you know, on the ballot. In November, the people can decide what to do with that or not. If they want to have public safety, they want to have 100% rollback and give us the stability we know to continue all these initiatives we talked about, then they're going to vote for it. We're going to give them the education on that and they can make their own decisions. Wow. Well, you got about a minute to kind of wrap things up, Matt. Let me congratulate you. And thank you for all the good things, the hard work. And you know, there's an old saying that says the proof is in the pudding. <laughs> well, the pudding is tasting better every day as it relates to uh, make them build. So I thank you and congratulate you. Uh, this is a call to action. I'm your host. Thank you, Alex. Give me that wrap up again, Mr. Habersham. You froze. Really, really uh, appreciate it. Andrea, I think you froze up. You back now. I think you froze up for a minute, but she can adjust okay. that. Okay, so so just take one. We're going to wrap it up in a minute. So uh, I'll just give you kind of like a, a, a closing <laughs> statement. And uh, then, sure. you know, Andrea can make the adjustment, but it froze up at a good time. 
because <laughs> it was right between uh, my asking you to go ahead and ask for community support and just make a general closing statement. Yes, sir. Well, first of all, Alex, thank you for having me on the show. I certainly appreciate the opportunity to speak with the people. Uh, all I ask is that people give us a chance to continue to support our administration, but also to let us know. We want to hear from you. Uh, I want to know what your concerns are. Um, I'm just a person sitting at the front desk, and I, I want to uh, give you the keys to the house, and you tell me what resources you need to make your community better. Uh, we all must be pulling in the same direction. We are better together. And I truly mean that. If we're all pulling in the same direction, we're all moving together, we're going to be a lot better community. Wow. But until we all realize that and take a look around and realize that we're all our brothers and sisters keepers, we're going to continue to fall behind everyone else. So I'm asking you to join our team. Let's work together. I'm here to provide you all the help and opportunities that you need. You just need to ask. You heard it from the mayor's mouth. You know, and I think it's a good initiative and we should heed his comments and support him because everybody wins when the community wins and we all can play a role in doing that. Thank you, the Honorable Lester Middle. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Alex. Uh, yes, sir. This is a call to action. I'm your host, Alex Havisham. Congratulations again on a great job, man. www.makingblackpages.com